Welcome to another episode of the Detox Podcast, a culture and conversation podcast where you can detox from the world around you and get a window into how other people live their lives. Come detox with detox. I'm your host, Joe Sean, on today's episode, and I had the absolute pleasure of speaking to author and publisher Wade Hudson on the podcast today. Wade and I get into a conversation about his latest book, The Reckoning, a book where Lamar, a 12-year-old aspiring documentarian filmmaker, has to reckon with the situation that occurs in his town. A man has been killed at a traffic altercation, and it brings this small town in the midst of a conversation about race, racism, and bias in 2023. It's a fascinating read, and my conversation with Wade gets into this book, the nuances of this book, why he decided to become a publisher, the motivation he had to write The Reckoning, and what he hopes people get out the lessons they get out of reading The Reckoning. But before we get to the conversation, I do need to let you know that today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Empire Toys. Nostalgia is something everyone loves, and Empire Toys in Keller, Texas is on nostalgia overload. With toys and action figures from the 70s, 80s, 90s, and today, Empire Toys is a one-stop shop for a trip down memory lane and a chance to reclaim what was once yours, but likely sold at a garage sale. Check out Empire Toys on Facebook, Instagram, or at TheEmpireToys.com. And by Self Unbound. Your quality of life, physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually, is a direct reflection of the level of abundant energy, ease, and connection your nervous system has to experience your life. At Self Unbound, your nervous system takes center stage as we help unbind your limited healing through potential limited healing potential through network spinal care. Access the first steps to your unbound journey by following us on Facebook, Instagram, or at www.selfunbound.com. Now without further ado, my conversation with Wade Hudson is right up after this. Welcome back to the Detox Podcast. With me at this time, I'm very excited to have him on the show. He's a publisher and he's an author extraordinaire, Mr. Wade Hudson. Wade, how are you doing today? I'm great, Joe. Thanks for inviting me to be a part of your show. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Yes, I am looking forward to it as well. And one of the things that we we were talking about before we got started is your decision to create the Just Us publishing company. And I'm excited to get to dig into some of that. And of course, we're here to talk about the reckoning. So we will dig into that, which is on sale on January 2nd, 2024. Um, But before we get into all of that, new listeners, the detox podcast, uh, what we like to do here on the show is we like to invite people uh, to quote unquote detox from the world around them, uh, kick the feet up, listen back and get educated for 45 minutes an hour, however long the episode is, and uh, just learn something new and get another perspective on how other people live their lives. So Wade, I would like to ask you right off the top of the show, what are you currently, I'm using air quotes here, detoxing Mm -hmm. from? Joe, actually, uh, I am detoxing from all the negativity Mm. that's that's, uh, bombarding us. you know, I mean, sometimes you you um, are bombarded with it so much that it sort of robs you of your hope. Mm. Uh, and uh, I certainly don't want to be robbed of uh, the hope that I have. Uh, it is that hope that has uh, kept me motivated and inspired to do the work that we've done uh, over the decades. So because um, sometimes, you know, you can you can, you know, be overwhelmed by the problems uh 
And particularly when they are constantly thrown at you in, 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 in various ways and through various media. So um, what my wife and I do often, um, we turn away from the news. Um, I love old movies. So that's one way that I escape. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, we love listening to, to music, all kinds of music. Uh, so we, we, we sort of tune, off, tune out sometimes. Um, we certainly want to know what's going on in the world. We want, we want to be aware, but, um, you know, it has become, become all consuming, particularly with the, the various ways that news and opinion, uh, are being delivered today. I mean, yes. it's, it's, you, you can't get away from it. And, and I, and I worry, you know, um, I am detoxing, but I'm worried about our young people, you know, yes. uh, because they need to detox also. And um, I, I think being bombarded by all the negative stuff that's around us um, can make one cynical. Yeah. And, and, I, and I think I've run across a lot of young people who have become cynical. And because they become cynical, um, they are not hopeful. Yeah. Uh, they, they have no faith in it getting better. You know, and, and I think that's a terrible place to be because that place leaves you um, wounded and it leaves you, um, you know, not thinking that the world is worth even being in. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of folks are depressed because of that. Uh, depression is running rampant, uh, particularly among our young uh you know, the pandemic made it certainly made it worse. But even before the pandemic, you know, all the negativity that that uh, they are faced with, and uh, and it's difficult for them to escape as well. You know. Yeah. I really liked how you talked about the negativity as well. I, I found for myself. I've had to remove myself often mm -hmm. from yeah. the new the sensationalistic headlines that yeah, exactly. that guide the news cycle. Yeah. It's it's impossible to not see your hope start to leave every yeah. single yeah. time. And I really like how you said hope is what kept you going and exactly. has continued to keep you going. And I, I feel that because it is easy to get I think when we're talking about young people today. It's, uh, I think there's, there's been for the last 10 or so years, sort of this so social media imposter syndrome culture. That's right. That's right. right. That's and I, right. and I think you take that, which is, which has been in, in existence and then you ramp it up by 10 because you've mm -hmm. got the negative news cycle compounding on top of it. It's hard not to be depressed. I mean, it, exactly it's a struggle right. to be positive for sure. Yeah. 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 And, 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 and I think a lot of our politicians and uh, religious leaders um, are so negative as well. You yeah. know, um, how often do we hear news about some of the good things that are being uh, done by people? Yeah. Um, you, you hear um, again, all the negative stuff, but there's a lot of good that's taking place. Yeah. And, the good that's taking place is, you know, takes the back seat yeah. um, because it's not necessarily sensational. Right. Um, but, but I think we need to find a way uh, to spotlight, you know, all the good and 
the folks who are doing um, uh, the good. Because um, I think it's important for our young people to have a, a balanced view of I the agree. world. Everybody is not bad. Right. You know, and it, it seems that way. Now, even uh, those who may be considered uh, role models, um, if they um, make an error or mess up, then um, they are doomed, you know. Yeah. Um, so it's very difficult. I mean, when I was growing up, and again, this is in the late 50s and the 60s uh, during the civil rights era. I mean, I had a lot of role models, uh, adults who uh, I wanted to emulate, uh, who could motivate and inspire me, uh, encourage me, you know. Um, and I think it's difficult for young people now um, to find role models that they can emulate. Yeah. Uh, I, I think often what they do is um, they follow the celebrities. Uh, and oftentimes I think they, they sort of turn to each other. You know, so um, and in fact, in in the, in the reckoning, the new book that I have coming, I know we're going to talk about yeah. it. Um, it. It's a. I try to address all of the nuance uh, of young people growing up in this society today. Yeah. It's really complex, um, and when when I was growing up. You know, for example, racism was cut and dry. You know, uh, you had the, the Jim Crow laws. I mean, they were being, you know, fought against. But uh, you know what you could do, what you could not do based on your skin color. Uh, the laws are now gone, but still there are places where you are not accepted because of your, your skin color. Right. And so you have to really figure that out. And because the laws are gone, um, I think a lot of young people, when they face uh, confronted with the racist incident, it throws them for a loop because, you know, they are thinking that's from the old days, you know, right. Uh, that's another world. And all of a sudden here it is. It's, it's not really gone, you know? Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm, Often in conversation with young people, my wife and I um, do a lot of school visits, um, and uh, they, the students that we talk to, they are hungry for the truth. Um, and I, I think that um, this book banning that's taking place now and this push to uh, take our society, our country back to the, to the bygone days um, when when uh, white men pretty much dominated um, is dangerous. Um, I think a lot of people don't understand it. Uh, I think there are people who follow it, but they don't really understand it because they think they see something of value in it for them, but the truth is it really isn't. Yeah. It really isn't. Um, because the truth is we cannot go back. 
that there's no way that we can go back. Um, you know, we must continue forward um, and to continue to push to uh, to become a better a better society and a better world. Yeah. You know, for for everyone. Yeah, and you know, you bring up the reckoning. Your most your most latest late most latest those words don't go together latest release that's coming out right. most recent there we go most recent been, yeah I, i'll tell you wait it's been a long day i'm over here i've been um a peek behind the curtain i've been solo parenting uh but you, you listen you're doing a lot of great work man <laughs> and and i applaud you and uh, we need more people like you you know who are doing the, the uh, diversity work i appreciate it i appreciate it wade um so with the reckoning which is coming out on january 2nd it's great and i would say if you haven't pre-ordered it right now you can pause the podcast episode Go pre-order it and then come back. We'll be here. Um, but with the reckonings, a 12-year-old Lamar is wanting to follow in the footsteps of Spike Lee, his, his, yes. the guy he looks up to, great filmmaker Spike Lee. And then, and he, to your point, right, it's something where um, while the the race law uh, that we were talking about before is gone, there is right. still some undercurrent and some undertones that exist that Lamar and, and his friends, uh, his white friends may may think is gone because right. of the passage of time. And then, um, and then someone is killed in a traffic altercation claiming self-defense. And then it, the conversation is brought back to the forefront at that point. That's so right. tell, tell me a little, tell us a little bit more about sort of your motivation to write the book and then what you've learned since having put, well, it, getting it ready for release on January 2nd. Well, actually I was inspired to write the book, uh, rather motivated to write yeah. the book after, um, I wrote my uh, my memoir uh, called Defiant Growing Up in the Jim Crow South. Mm. Uh, and Defiant is about my coming of age years uh, in the late 50s and the 60s during the, the height of the civil rights movement. And and um, as I when I finished writing it, you know, I started to wonder how different is life for young people in a little small town like where I grew up today from what it was when I was growing up. Sure. And and that that question sort of uh gnawed at me for, for a long period of time. So that sort of motivated me to to write the book. Um and um again it's 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 it the protagonist is Lamar. Phillips, who's 12 years old, um, he's rather naive. You know, he is not really, even though he's uh, growing up in a small town in, in the South, he's really not really faced overt racism, you know. Um, and um, his grandfather, um, who uh, was one of the leaders of the civil rights movement in that little small town that helped to make changes, uh, is... Um, killed after a traffic altercation uh, and um he's killed because the driver who was a an elderly white man around the same age as lamar's grandfather um uh, still held on to his his racist views and his bitterness and um he just shot uh lamar's grandfather and he claimed self-defense um so the small town Black people and white people are forced to come to grips with this. Yeah. Um, and 
it forces a reckoning. And that's where the title comes from. Um, the little town, um, the mayor is black. A number of city council people are black. Yet the, the kind of um, progress that they had hoped uh, would have been substantial has not taken place. Yeah. Uh, basically what has happened is um, so the school system that was once all white uh, has been integrated, but integration has really rendered it uh, pretty much all black mm. because um, most white parents, after the schools were integrated, they established their own schools, um, private schools, and many of them left the town and moved away into uh, suburban areas. So the, 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 city, the town does not have a strong tax base. So the black political leaders don't have the fi the the the, the uh, finances to do the things that are necessary for the town. So I mean, th th there's a reckoning on, and then uh, Lamar's father and mother, they are a handful of the uh, blacks in the town who are doing well. They are they are middle class, upper middle class, and they've sort of forgotten about. Um, the, the rest of the community, they've been focusing more on their own careers and their own lives, right? And so again, uh, the killing of Lamar's grandfather and Lamar's father's father, uh, again, causes the reckoning even within the family. You know, they recognize that there's more that they can do themselves to to help the town and help other, other people in the town rather than focusing uh on themselves um so there's a there's a there's a lot of reckoning that's going on yeah. and and i think the book captures um just how complex uh race is in this country and 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 and, and thereby navigating uh uh finding your way through it you know and, and i think in a way I, I sort of look at it as if we are in a maze trying to find our way out of it, you know, and, uh, and it's, it's just proved difficult to, to, uh, to find. Now I am very hopeful. Um, again, the little boy growing up in Mansfield, which is what my memoirs all about, uh, didn't have any white friends at, at all. I didn't know any, I mean, the only time I would see, um, someone white was when, I went downtown was was rally yeah. uh, but many of my friends today and this is not a cliche i really mean it for my heart uh are people of different races white you know asian um i'm, I'm a part of a, a of a community that's that's broad and diverse uh, so there is hope uh, of uh of things getting better there are people who are doing the hard work. We don't often get to see them on the news uh, yeah. or written up in newspapers and that kind of thing. Uh, but they are doing the hard work because I run across them as we travel. Um, so I am hopeful. And I'm hopeful because of young people. Yeah. You know, I'm hopeful because of young people. Um, I think they are much smarter than we think that they are 
Yeah. And I think that they are figuring it out, you know, and I just think that uh, sometimes uh, folks from my generation and generation uh, under me just need to get out of the way. Yeah. That's fair. <laughs> yeah. Well, I Thank you for sharing all that perspective because I really like how you laid out the multiple instances of reckoning within the reckoning because right. it is an opportunity for the town to come to grips. And I think I, I want to, I think it's really interesting. There's something that you, you pointed out that's within the book that is something that's been sort of sticking, sticking, you know, in, in my head a little bit recently. Um, mm -hmm. and I always find it interesting how something that, is, is in my mind recently kind of gets brought to the forefront in, in one of these types of episodes. But the idea of schools are integrated. However, the public right. schools seem to still be either black students or underrepresented communities, not a lot of white students because they've gone and created their own schools, their own private schools and, right. and, and mm -hmm. created a new type of separation that's financially right. driven. And that's something that I think it, when you put it in the context of sort of a separation driven by, you know, financially driven in that standpoint, you really can see how people are trying to, in a lot of ways, move us back in different instances by, by creating a separation. Um, yeah. 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 And, and you have to, you have to reckon with that as it were. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and in fact, there've been, articles written over the last five years i think there was one in was it newsweek or I mean, not just like a, um um forget what publication but anyway it said that um the school system is more integrated i mean, more segregated today than it was in the 1960s when we wow. fought to uh integrate schools and i think that that's that's true um Many of the schools that we visit um, are either mostly white or mostly black or children of color. Um, and I think it's, Joe, it's reflective of the fact that we live in segregated communities too. Yeah. You know, we really do. Um, you know, and and um, we don't really talk about it that much. And, and I think one of the problems that we are faced with and that really keep us from moving toward that beloved community that Dr. King talked about is that even in 2023, we still know so very little about people who are different from us or who have different experiences. Yes. Because we mostly live in our silos. And that that's for not just white people, it's for all of us, you know. We live in our own silos. Um and um that's why books are so important. Um because books allow us, even in our own little silos, to read and learn about folks who are different and experiences that are different from our own. Um, and um, that's why you see so many people fighting against book banning, uh, because I think a lot of the progress that we have made uh, over the uh, the decades um, 
has been because uh, we've gotten to know a little bit more about each other. Yeah. And the more you know about folks who are different than you, I think the less you are to be leery of them, uh, be suspicious of them, uh, and uh, the more you understand that they are human just like, just like you, and that our race, uh, our culture, is really more like the clothes we wear and not the body that we're in. Yes. Yeah. And so I appreciate segueing us into, I appreciate the work that you've done in, in creating Just Us Books publica publi publication company. So mm -hmm. can you walk me through the motivation for you to create that company and then how you've seen it grown over time? Yeah. Well, Joe, when I when I was growing up um, in I grew up in a segregated uh, community, uh, went to an all black uh, school system and uh, went to an all black college, uh, historical uh, black uh, university, Southern University in Louisiana. Um, but there were very few books uh, in our school uh, library. We didn't have a public library that we could attend. Uh, that we could go to because the library system was segregated and there was not a uh, a black library for us. It was a little small one that people in the community um, tried to set up, but they had no fin no finance financial support. Uh, so they didn't really have that many books. But the, the books that we had in our school system, our school system was pretty much run by an all-white school board and they determined what the curriculum was um, and they also uh, uh, had sway over what uh, books would be in the school library. So there were very few books that I had access to, access to that spotlighted black history, black culture, I had black characters in them. Um, and so I knew, uh, let, me, let me back up. So when I went to college, uh, that's when I found out about all these wonderful books that have been written by black authors. You know, I mean, there's just thousands of them. Um, but those books didn't exist for me because the power structure had con control over whether or not those books could be in my school, which is what we are fighting against now, right? Yeah. That's what they're trying to do now. And um, so I didn't know that much about my own history, uh, my own culture, you know? And so when I went to uh, college, I had to really read and study at breakneck speed to try to catch up. Yeah. Um, and so I recognized that there was a need for these books. Now the books that were, that I had access to in college, they were not, in the general marketplace, they were in most in the college bookstores. Yeah. Um, if you were to go to LSU, which is the White State University in the same town as Southern University, the school that I went to, if you were to go to that, that school in the bookstore, you wouldn't find the books there. Yeah. So um, those books were not readily available. So when we my wife and I got married. 
we had kids and we started looking for books for our children and we couldn't find them. Hmm. You know, we couldn't find them. So it was just like it was when we were growing up. So very little had changed. I mean, there were, there were a few black authors who were creating uh, works for young readers like Walter Dean Myers and Eloise Greenfield and, and a few others. But even the books that they were writing and they had produced, you couldn't go to a bookstore and find them. You know, they were not readily available. Uh, so for a lot of particularly black families, those books didn't exist for them either, you know. So we had a couple of ideas for manuscripts, my wife and I, and we went to uh, a few publishing companies here. In, in, I live in New Jersey, here in the New York uh, area. And we were told uh, by one editor that uh, there was no market for those manuscripts. I would say our manuscripts focused on the Black experience, right. but there was no market for it. And one editor said, well, you know, uh, black people in general don't read, you know, and that was a thinking that was a thinking at that time. And we knew that that wasn't the case. Yeah. You know, I mean, we we live in the black community, we have black friends. We we know how I mean, we were reading um, books written by white authors. Yeah. You know, we were reading. Um, So my wife and I said, rather than. Complain. Uh, about the lack of these books why not do what our ancestors had done before step out on faith and try to find an answer ourselves and uh, so we started just those books um, and we published uh, uh, the first book we published was a, uh, a alphabet book utilizing a group of characters that my wife had uh, created called the the Afrobest Kids. Uh, it was a play on on the term alphabet. And uh, we actually created six young, black youngsters. We gave them names and, and personalities. And so they were featured in that first book. We printed 5,000 copies. And within a couple of months, that was that five thousand copies was gone. Wow! And we eventually learned that printing at that time, printing five thousand copies was very uh, a bold step to take. You know, because <laughs> if you don't sell those books, then you're stuck with them. You know, yeah. We we were able to sell, and so from that, we we built the company, and we continue to uh, to publish. We published other uh, writers who were looking to get published and could not get published uh black artists uh, illustrators who uh you know had, had great work but they could not find um uh, a publisher to to uh to publish their work or to to hide him and um so we continue to build our company now again you know there is an infrastructure that's in place obviously that major publishers use you know the distribution system the the bookstores and the distributors and the wholesalers um we did not have knowledge nor access to those early on so what we had to do joe was actually go to the market ourselves which is what we did uh we went to uh to church events uh we went to um fraternities and sorority events. 
community events. And that's how we sort of built our company. And from that, people started requesting our books at bookstores uh, from distributors, from wholesalers. And then they started to seek us out, you know, because we were creating a demand, sort of like what Spike Lee did with his first movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, um, you know, we've, we've, we've done partnerships with other uh, publishing companies, with Scholastic, for example, uh, with Penguin Random House, in addition to uh, publishing uh, books ourselves. In fact, The Reckoning is published by Crown Books for Young Readers. Uh, and um, again, I, I think what we are most proud of is that we help to demonstrate that there is a market for these books, that Black people, in fact, do read, uh, and uh, that if uh, the demand for these books are met, uh, it would help to ride, you know, raise our boats, you know, which is what has taken place. Now, we still have a lot more to do. Um, the Black experience is so rich. Um, I think even with the, the hundreds, maybe thousands of books that have been published over the the last couple of decades, I think we are still just scratching the surface of of uh, of, of uh, black experiences and black history. And, and I'm even um, I, I'm an avid reader. I, I keep a whole lot of books at hand um, that I read all the time. And uh, but I'm always learning about new things about black history and black the black experience. For example. I just released a picture book um, that that um, focus on how and why Black America itself was built. Um, you hear the term Black America, but um, there are very few books that really talk about how it how it began. Who who were some of the founding fathers and mothers of Black America? Right. You know. The, the folks who established uh, black institutions and, and black churches and uh, black schools because there had to be a separate society because black folks were not a, allowed to participate in the, the social and political fabric of this country, you know, until, until very recently. So they had to create a place for them to be uh, to love and to grow and and uh, raise their children and 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 all of the stuff that any community would do. So they established their own their own communities. Um, so in that book, it's a picture book for uh, readers from six to nine. You know, I set out to explain how Black America was created, why it was created who were the people who created uh, Black America. Um, in many ways, they are important too, just as Washington and uh, Jefferson and Madison and Monroe and all the others who helped to uh, start uh, America itself. Yeah, I would agree. So, you know, it, it's... it's And, and the, the other thing I would add to um, that is... I think what my wife and I are proud of is that there are so many more 
black writers and writers of color uh, who are now being published yeah. and many of them are making um, uh, a living uh, at their craft. Um, there have been a number of them, uh, writers of color, who have won some of the, the major awards uh, over the last uh, 10 years. So uh, a lot of progress uh, has been made, uh, but still a lot still needs to be done. I couldn't agree more. Thank you for sharing all of that, Wade. As we're, as we're wrapping up, I want to ask you one final question about The Reckoning, bringing it back to The Reckoning. Sure, sure. What is one particular takeaway that you hope readers of your book have when they've finished it? That's a good question. Um, I, I think it would be a better understanding of how complex it is for all of us to move forward um, in a positive way uh, in this world. There are so many things that sidetrack us or, or get in our way or, or prohibit us from, uh, from moving forward. And I think that as many of the characters and the, the book do, do um, we must have a reckoning to face up to those things that that are keep holding us back and preventing us um there's a there's a a, a, a white character in the book uh his name is Jefferson and he's a good friend he's a friend of um of uh, Lamar and both Lamar and Jefferson, uh, what they have in common is they both want to be filmmakers. Mm -hmm. So that is what brought them together. And, and Jefferson is one of a handful of uh, white students who attend that the all black school where, where uh, Lamar goes. Um, but Jefferson's fa uh, family, just put it bluntly, is a racist. Mm -hmm. And they, don't, they do not want him to have a relationship with Lamar. And, um, but Jefferson is troubled by it because he feels in many ways trapped yeah. in, in, in their beliefs and, and, um, the way they see the world. And even at 12 years of age, he's figured out that ain't where I want to be. Right. Right. <laughs> I don't want to be there, you know? Um, and I think of all the characters in the book he's the one that really touches uh, my heart the most because his father in the story, his father actually sees witness the accident and witness Lamar's father, grandfather being killed. And he does not want to, and he actually stops on the side of the road where the accident takes place. Yeah. And he uses his cell phone to videotape it, right? But because of his dislike and disdain for black people, he's not going to reveal that. Mm. And plus, being in this small town, 
he doesn't want to be ostracized anyway. Yeah. To turn evidence over um, that would uh, convict another white person. Um, but what Jefferson does, he uh, makes a copy of the video and he sends it to Lamar. And that's how they find out that it really wasn't an accident, but uh, Lamar's grandfather was actually murdered. And I mean, that's a lot of courage, man. Yeah. That's a lot of courage, man. Yeah. And uh, also, that's it's also. Um, a strong sense of right and wrong yeah. to the point where it trumps everything else. Yeah. It was the right thing for him to do, even though it, you know, it, it put his family in trouble, his father mm -hmm. in trouble, you know? Um, so, um, and, and I think the, I don't know, I guess, I guess the message there is, Sometimes we got to do the tough, the tough thing, man. We got to ante up and do the tough thing. And, and, uh, Jefferson does it. And in the end, his family has to, to move. Yep. Yes. They have to move from that small town. Um, it's, it's, I, I hope people get the, the, the book, get what's in the book. Cause there's a lot in there. Yeah. Uh, and I think there's a lot for conversation. Um, there's also, you know, the, the cynicism that I have seen from young people who say, you know, things like, well, the civil rights movement didn't do anything. I don't want to deal with that stuff. There are a lot of young people who, who feel that way and who express that. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that they really don't understand what happened yeah they, they don't understand the struggle um and um so there's a lot of work that we have to do in terms of just educating not just young people because when i've done book signings with this for this book it's called invincible fathers and mothers of black america there's a lot that i'm sharing man that adults don't even know Black black adults don't even know, and they question me like as if they're like seven, eight year old kids in in the classroom. They don't know. Wow. So it, it's books are so important. Movies, uh, plays, uh, all of the the, the arts, um, music, where we are sharing and, and opening eyes and. Um, uh, really delving delving into who we are, you know, uh, not just as uh, black people, but as people, yeah. period, you know. Uh, and uh, again, we must, you know, push back and, and fight against this book banning and uh, this movement to... Um, to rewrite history again we just we're just starting to come out of it <laughs> out of what had been rewritten you know yeah. uh we're just starting to pull back the covers and you know and getting the 
a better glimpse uh, at what really happened, you know, and who we really have been and who we are. Well, thank you for sharing that. If you're listening to this and you haven't already, go ahead and uh, pr- reserve your copy of The Reckoning coming out January 2nd. Uh, you can get it anywhere books are sold. Um, Wade, this has been a fantastic conversation. I've learned so much. And as we're wrapping up, I've got uh, our final segment of the show, which is things to check out. So it's mm-hmm. a segment where I recommend something to read watch and or listen to for our okay. for our listeners and i invite my guests to do the same obviously you've provided incredible recommendations for folks to read already so this mm-hmm. would be in addition to the recommendation so things that i have for folks to to read watch and or listen to so from a uh, reading perspective we talked about um getting out of the news cycle and the sensationalistic headlines something that i've done for me over the last year, and it's I've really appreciated it. Uh, there's a website. It's also a social media uh, account. You can follow it on Instagram or Facebook, um, or you can go to ground.news. Uh, so, and the Instagram handle is ground news. Um, and what I found, what I appreciate, it has the news headlines in there, and it shows you a sliding scale of where the bias is with regards mm-hmm. to the reporting, whether it's more mm-hmm. right or more left or more centralized. And then it will also, if you're on the website, it will give you what the major publications of that particular slant, how, oh, wow. okay. how they're reporting a news mm-hmm. story. Mm-hmm. So they'll mm-hmm. say, you know, maybe guy robs store. Right. And right. That, maybe that's the headline. And then perhaps on one end, it it overemphasizes on the neighborhood of where the store was located. Right. Another right, one right. might emphasize on the motivation. And so it allows you the ability to get the news and also see how people are talking about the news in different mm-hmm, silos, mm-hmm. which for me, as someone who's a DNI practitioner, is able to then kind of enter into conversations a little bit more informed. So right, ground right. ground dot news is mm-hmm. the website. And so mm-hmm. um, it's mm-hmm. also a social media handle. Um, watching um, along some of the lines that we've been talking about, I, a couple of favorite shows of mine, Black Lightning that used to exist on the CW. You can get it. Mm-hmm. It's on Netflix right now. Um, mm-hmm. And then the Watchmen limited series that was on HBO. Both of those explore themes of, of race, racism, segregation, and dig into the history of a lot of the complexities within the communities and then how the protagonists are um, working to correct uh, a lot of uh, items that happened in the past uh, in their present day. So Black Lightning Watchmen, and then something to listen to. There's a a podcast series called American Prodigy. The first two seasons uh, dealt with, uh, the first season dealt with Freddie Adu, who is a uh, black uh, soccer teenage phenom uh, mm-hmm. who never had the career he should have had. And a large part of that is people within the soccer community didn't understand how to develop a player that was a playmaker. He was fantastic with the ball at his feet. Mm-hmm. He wasn't mm-hmm. He wasn't a quote-unquote um, uh, fast athlete like a lot of coaches, predominantly mm-hmm. white, were mm-hmm. used to coaching in that mindset. So it's, it's an interesting conversation from that perspective. And the second season explores Ken Griffey Jr.'s impact on baseball in the nineties. Oh, wow. yeah, so yeah, both, yeah. both Freddie do. And then the Ken Griffey Jr. Stories are, are fantastic. So those are my uh, recommendations of something to read, watch and or listen to uh, Wait, What is the recommendation you have for the audience? Well, you know, I, um, there are a lot of um, plays, um, even books, 
that were written um, in the 50s and the 60s and the 70s that are, that are coming back. Um, my wife and I went to see um, Pretty Victorious, um, which stars Lamar Odom. Yeah. Uh, and um, it was written by Ozzie Davis. And, and, and uh, I think it first premiered in 1962 and um they didn't change anything it's still the same script but it resonates even today so it's in new york hopefully it will be touring <laughs> after new york um also um the color purple there's a there's a new uh uh updated version of the color purple that just came out I saw that. Um, uh, the Opera X, uh, which uh, is about uh, Malcolm X life. Um, there's a lot now that's sort of coming back. And it's important, I think, because it helps to push back against the book banning. Because these these are not books. Yeah. <laughs> these these are movies. And I think you're gonna see uh more uh movies, more I think you're gonna see music start to go more toward um focusing on history and where we've been and where we are going, um, to sort of counteract what's happening with, with books. Um music always played a major role uh, in, in in struggles, whether it's the, the workers' struggle, you know, um, uh, obviously the, the civil rights movement uh, would, would not be what it, what it was without uh, Curtis Mayfield's, you know, keep on pushing and uh, Sam Cooke's a change is going to come. I mean, uh, the, these were the soundtracks of the, of the movement. So I think you're going to see a lot more happening in the arts and in, and culture. Um, and it's, I don't really have, Oh, in terms of books, there are two websites that I would recommend. One is called the Brown bookshelf. Uh, and that can be Googled. Um, they, this site has, um, a lot of books written by black authors um, for, for young readers. And they have a lot of profiles on uh, the black authors and illustrators who create the work. And there's another one called the African-American Literature Book Club. Uh, it's more of a general uh, site and it covers adult books as well as children, uh, fiction, nonfiction, poetry, um it has a wide variety of uh if you really want to know what's going on yeah as related to black book publishing that's the site yeah. it has the, the 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 publishers it has a list of agents it has a list of, of books um it uh, ranks the books um it has them categorized in, in different uh genres so uh the african american literature book club and um the Brown Bookshelf, too, that uh, uh, I would recommend. I appreciate that. Well, wait, if people want to follow you and see what you're up to, what's the best way for them to do that? 
Um, justusbooks.com is our, our website. And uh, there, you know, you can find all the information about Just Us Books and and about about me as well and my wife. And actually, I just want to give a shout out to her. Her name is Cheryl Willis Hudson. And uh, there will be no Just Us Books without her. <laughs> there we go. Perfect. Well, Wade, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I appreciate it. And I'm excited for everyone to get to experience the reckoning. Thank you, Joe. And I appreciate it. This has been really engaging. I thank you very much. Of course. Well, listeners, you've been detoxing with detox. Now go and make a more inclusive world. If you know of an interesting person or story that needs to be told, please reach out to me at detoxpodcast at gmail.com. That's D-T-A-L-K-S podcast at gmail.com. You can also reach out via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Detox Podcast, or visit DetoxPodcast.com. Also, be sure to leave us a five-star rating on iTunes if you like the show. It only takes a few seconds and it really helps us out. Link is in the show notes. Finally, thanks for listening. Please come back next week when we'll have another interesting conversation. And special thanks to my producers, Ben Lawant and Galan Aldaco. Without your help and support, this show wouldn't be possible. Thanks so much, guys. Detox is a production of Vocal. For more information and more programming, please visit vocalnow.com. That's V-O-K-A-L-N-O-W.com.